up, internet. Are you going to lie there, swallow the blood in your mouth, or are you going to stand up and spill theirs? My name is Matthew Kroll. And I'm Shahir Dowd. This is War. Well, that that signals that this is the only podcast about movies. And Shahir, first of all, welcome back. Oh my God, I'm in this. I was waiting for your intro where you do the, we're recording this in a slightly different way. (laughs) No, there's no preamble at all for this right now. Well, we are recording in a slightly different way, which is that I'm in the room with you. Yes, now we're getting back to the way things were. And, you know, speaking of the way things were, Shahir, some people, and now even including me, might not know how we normally do things. Maybe they only picked us up at Batman v Superman when you're halfway across the fucking world. (laughs) How does this whole only movie podcast work? Well, here's, let me, let me take you back in time. Matt and I was sitting around trying to find podcasts about movies and we scoured the internet. I mean, we literally looked for a good one minute and we couldn't find anything. Just on Bing. Just just on Bing. It's not a reflection of our of our searchability. We used Boolean qu- queries and everything. I used uh, Wolfram Alpha, actually. Ooh, wow. Um, but we are two filmmakers. Uh, we work in New York City in film and television. We make music videos, uh, short films, TV shows, all sorts of stuff. You can look us up uh, on our own unique website. Yeah, go look up our resumes. Yeah, if you want, if you're into that. If, you, if you're disagreeing, well, I was like, who the fuck do these people hey, think are they these are? Douchebags. Um, and we like to do a solid one hour discussion on movies. Now, yes. Sometimes from an academic point of view. I don't know if I pointed out this to you, but I went to film school. Yeah. Now I'm just saying. I, you know, I went. I went yes, I went. but maybe if this is the first time, maybe they don't know you dropped that like nine <laughs> times that an episode. Every single time. Just so you know, she here. I went to film school too. Did you go to film school? I did. You don't say it like a douchebag who goes to film school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You noticed that, did you? Yeah, I did notice that. <laughs> I thought that was the prerequisite for entrance. Oh, like once you graduate, they're like, you have to say you went to film school. You have to mention it or yeah. else no one will actually take your every criticism. Every job seriously. application. Like every time I go into Starbucks, everybody there works as being to film school. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, not insulting Starbucks. Uh, how we do things, again, one hour solid discussion. We like to bring in guests every now and again. We like to to like yell at each other a little bit. If sure. you're into that, please join us and write into us yes. uh, on our, uh, if you have any comments about our reviews, you can hit us up at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at onlymoviepod. We also have a Facebook page, which now I've given the keys to Matt. That too. is right. I now rule that digital space <laughs> and it will fill it with the most awful Photoshop jobs of promotional material you'll ever, you've ever seen. Um, but Shahir, actually, I, I was looking at the iTunes page for for yeah. the only podcast about movies. Here, and a, I, I, you know what I love about our iTunes page right what? now is we only have five star reviews. That's right, but we only have uh, <laughs> 11, <laughs> 11, 11 reviews, eight reviews, eight <laughs> customer reviews. Uh, and I want to read one today because uh, we we haven't been reading them, and I feel like if you go through the trouble to leave us a review, we should do it. Uh, this one says it's titled "Lots of Swearing, Not Nearly Enough Nudity" uh, by Mike Appy, uh, and he just said, "Nice job, guys." So Aww, I, thanks, I, I appreciate that. We both know Mike. Mike's a, a good dude who moved out to L.A. Just he's going to be a star. Hope he's doing well out there. If, if you've if you've garnered anything from what we've just said in the last five minutes, please love us. Um, right. We, <laughs> no, thanks, Mike. Uh, I remember when he asked uh, when I told him we were doing a movie podcast, he was like, there's no way I'm going to listen to you douchebags. He came back. Three days later and said, I listened to six hours of you guys talking. Oh, but it was a Star Wars episodes, right? It was the Star Wars. But the, again, gate, the gateway the drug. The gateway drug, yeah. If you if you want to go back in time, we we reviewed every single Star Wars movies minus the uh, the animated features and, and the Christmas special. Give it time. <laughs> we'll probably come back to this. And I hated that so much, but I'm glad we did it because a lot of people tuned in because of that. You're welcome, Shahir. <laughs> um, but today we're not talking about anything having to do with the galaxy far, far away. Today we are talking about the revolution of cinema that is Hardcore Henry. I kind of feel like this was a galaxy far, far away because I think in Russia... Movie life, make you. Yeah, movie make you, and life doesn't mean as much. Nope. Because if you watch the behind, like before we even get into the movie, have you watched the behind the scenes for this movie? No, but I am dying to. Oh my god, it's it's literally like they just strapped these like GoPro cameras to the to the um to the director's head. It was the director. Sometimes it was a stunt it was a couple man, different stunt couple people. Of different, yeah, a couple of different people, and then they would just let them run. So. There's a scene in this film that's kind of amazing where they run over a, a very tall bridge, and they really did it. 
Yeah, no, I know. And we'll talk about the stunts in a little bit uh, at great length. But if in case you haven't uh, seen the trailer for Hardcore Henry, what this is, is it's the first film, the first feature length major release of a film, I believe, uh, that's shot all in the first person, a la a first person shooter video game or anything. You, you're familiar with the perspective. Yeah. But um, this that's, is the, not, that's not true. Actually. No? What, no. Was the, what was the first one? There's a, there's a movie called Lady in the Lake. Which they actually have a poster of in this movie, oh. which was the first POV movie. It's a terrible movie about a murder mystery. I saw it in, in film school. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Knew that was coming. No, no. But also, um, I think I would say Gaspar Noe's film um, Into the Void is a first person movie. Is it? I'm yeah. trying to remember. I could have sworn I saw that. Uh, it's ama- but, but this is more directly first person in the way that younger people listen i'm sounding so old right now but people who played video games would kind of think of it um uh, but it's not the first time this this has ever been done there the last time i remember seeing this in any uh, try was the was the very mediocre doom adaptation they had that little moment uh, they had the moment when he took and at least it was a narrative moment in doom uh in the in the dwayne the rock johnson vehicle doom where also they carl urban i know i know they murdered they thanks they uh they murdered that fucking movie because all they had to do was make it about hell like doom is about demons being like a portal opens on a space station on mars and demons from hell come out yeah it's a little convoluted but that's what doom is and instead they made it like a virus whatever they had that moment where he pumps himself full of the um i forget what the power up in the game is called but it was the same sort of thing so like he picked up the power up like he did in the game and then we got first person so i liked that it had a, a narrative motivation to it but that movie was god awful. So <laughs> I, I, it's funny that movie was 15, that was 18 years, years ago. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and, and I haven't seen anything since maybe I didn't go to enough film school, but um, <laughs> yeah, Shahir just general before we get into sort of not that spoilers even kind of matter in this film. Cause it's more like, Oh, what stunts did they do? Yeah. Um, what did you, what did you think generally of it? Just generally speaking? Well, I'm going to, I'm probably take a little side side note to my experience of going to see the movie, which was that uh, the first time I went to go see the movie, which was just a couple of nights ago, uh, I turned up at the theater. I went to a late screening. Mm-hmm. I turned up there. It took me a little while to get out to the movie theater. And they'd canceled the movie because they were like, well, you would be the only person who's buying a ticket to this movie. Wow. And uh, we're trying to put on, and we thought we'd put on more screenings of The Jungle Book. Um, oh, so, yeah. so that was my first night. So I kind of got a little bit annoyed about that. Then the second night, I finally got in there. And I don't know about you, but, and I was hoping this wasn't going to happen because it definitely didn't happen in, uh, in that movie Into the Void, for sure. example. But slowly as this movie went on, I got a major headache. Really? Yeah, it actually, and I started feeling nauseous halfway through. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, and, you know, like, I've been to, like, like yeah, again, Gaspar Noé's Into the Void, even his film Irreversible, which has that sort of floaty, drifty thing and epileptic seizure-inducing flashing lights, didn't do anything for me like that. But But this film, as it wore on, kind of, like, made me feel a little sick. Huh. Um, I It did, it wasn't enough. And and here's here's the interesting thing that happened was then I, as soon as I walked out of the movie there was an older woman standing outside the theater and she she saw I'd just come out of Hardcore Henry and she looked up at me and she was like was that any good and I just just because I had a headache and I was kind of feeling sick I was like no don't go see it and and I trying think, to trying to save an older uh, lady yeah well that's the thing I think I made a stereotype. Yeah, you response did. Response because I was like, she's an older woman; she won't enjoy it. She could be fucking all pro league uh, COD player, and you don't even know it. I don't. Yeah, I mean, she could be calling my mother a whore on Call of Duty right now. I don't know. Um, but- <laughs> no, no, she here. She would be saying that she fucked your mother. Oh, is that what she did? Yeah. Oh, god damn it. Man. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I didn't enjoy the experience of the movie. And my initial reaction when I walked out of it was that I didn't enjoy it. But the more I thought about it, the more I, here's the thing. I appreciated what this movie did. Yes. And I enjoyed it on the level that I enjoyed Crank. I think Crank. Crank is so fun. Yeah. But I do think Crank is more fun than this. Now, the thing. Only because Jason Statham is a lovable uh, screen presence. But that's exactly the reason why. Because this is missing the kind of characterization that makes this work. And, and the thing, the thing that, you know, I was kind of going into this movie for, um, it's directed by a uh, first time director, Ilya, Ilya Nashuler, who's a Russian filmmaker. Um, he is the lead singer of a band called biting elbows who 
whose song played at the start of this, uh, yes. at the start of this uh, podcast. Bad and he, motherfucker. And he did two music videos for Biting Elbows, one called The Stampede and the other one called Bad Motherfucker, in this style, this first-person style. And it was based off the that that Timur Nebekotov, whose name I'm going to butcher, Ooh. he did the Wanted movies, and uh, I think he did Abraham Lincoln Vampire Slayer. I like that movie a lot. Uh, Surprising no one. He, he might have produced, I can't remember uh, exactly what his role was in that film. But anyway, uh, after that music video went out, which got like 23 million views, yep. viral hit, you know, they basically said, come here and make a movie in this style. And the thing that got me worried about that, um, which will lead into our discussion, um, hopefully, is that I'm not sure this style can sustain 30 minutes. Like, did you... Well, I'll sort of tell you my experience about yeah. it now, and I'll, I'll answer that question at the end. Sure. Uh, I saw it uh, uh, just sort of me and uh, Steve Buja from Same Night Movie Review fame. Yeah. We went to go check it out, and um, <clears throat> he and I sat dead middle. Yep. Um, uh, we purposely did, knowing uh, that the sort of motion sickness thing could happen. Yeah. Uh, did not happen for either of us. I think positioning is key as well. Where were you sitting? I was kind of slightly off to the right, but far enough back so it wasn't. Maybe I should have been a little bit further back. The it's 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 from what I understand from people that I've uh, talked to who have seen it. If you sit in the middle and back, or just uh, from the direct middle of the theater anywhere back, but it's still in the center, it's great, and you don't get motion sick. In fact. I was shocked. I was looking up because I didn't feel anything about it. I was looking up on the internet like there has to be an article about who's getting sick at Hardcore Henry. Yeah. And most of the articles I found were about how people weren't getting sick, right. which was strange. But they're like, yeah, if you sit in the front, you're going to die, uh, which I never understand yeah, people I, sit I, in the front anyway. If you're going to go see this movie, if you haven't seen this movie already, uh, stop the podcast and, yeah. go, and go do that. Um, but the second thing is, is that don't sit, don't, don't get that front row seat. But um, to, to answer your sort of question about like why Crank worked and how it was missing that sort of um, that persona or whatever, Shakir, I mean, you're coming off as the old man right now because me as the consummate gamer that I am, yeah. uh, being a 33-year-old gentleman, uh, I got to say, maybe it's my uh, narcissism or whatever, but having me be the character mm -hmm. felt really good for a change for right. a film. Right. Uh, and- a hundred percent like and some characters we'll talk about later there's definitely like the acting in this film needed work from the characters from the for everyone except the main guy who doesn't speak no <laughs> jimmy oh now shalto copley yes uh, I've he gotta... he was my jason statham in this and and i we can get into it in a little bit and because uh, i yeah. feel like it's kind of the only possible spoiler which we'll get into sure. so i don't want to say it right now but his performance overall really kept me engaged. He was the lovable NPC character that, do you know what NPC means? I, I play video games and I'm going to get into why. Okay. I just want to make, <laughs> this is a PlayStation. Um, no. So uh, he was just sort of that lovable character that I would put in a party. Like if this was a final fantasy or if this was anything else, where you could sort of choose your team. Like yeah. I would pick him in a fucking heartbeat because he makes the sort of generals, like the stuff I understand what's going to happen moving forward. He was like the spice that made the meal like infinitely better for me. Sure. So I, I didn't mind because he was such a strong presence. Yeah. The fact that I was supposed to be right. Henry. Um, and maybe that again comes from my conditioning of just playing a ton of games. It's funny because at the, at my screening, they gave me a comic book, um, which was kind of like a, some filler information. Right. Um, and in the comic book, there's like an opening, um, message from the director and he talked about how one of his greatest successes for the film was that a person watched it and said, Oh, that bit where I was like stabbing that dude in the face. And then I jumped out of the building was really cool, but I didn't understand this thing. Yeah. And, and he said that that was his biggest triumph where, where the audience person who watched it envisioned themselves as the character. Yeah. I didn't have that experience. I never felt like it was me um, being that character, but I got to admit when I play video games, I don't think that either. I don't think it's me. I think it's, I think it's like a character that's being written who has a certain personality. So, sure. Like it all I love in the game too, yeah. but like I do, I do some, some deep, like, like mm. deeper than role playing, role playing in games sometimes. Like for instance, uh, my father who was on the last episode of the podcast Great episode, by the way, your you. dad sounds like a kick ass dude. He, he's fucking, he's <laughs> yeah. a good time. Uh, but I made in the new fallout four game, yeah. I made my main character, uh, my father i made him look exactly like my father <laughs> yeah. and not only that every decision that i have to make in that game i have made 
based on what your dad based would do. Based on what I think my dad would do. Sure. And that's great. Now, now the, here's the thing is that, so, so we're into this thing, and as you guessed already, th- if you've played any first-person shooter in the last 10, 15, 20 years even, um, and I say 20 years because there's one particular game I want to call out, okay. um, then you know, then, then this movie is basically a live adaptation of a video game. Even though the director has come out and said, we don't want this to feel like a video game, we want this to feel like a film, a cinematic sure, experience sure. first off. But I, I, you know, some of the reviews that I've read that I kind of do respond to are suggesting it's kind of like watching your best friend play a video game, you know, which is that, which was kind of my experience, which is that I never really felt like I was that character. And I think I would a little more if I was playing the game myself, but at the same time, I, I just don't think it's there. Now the, you know, the other, the other offset reason that, that the video game comparison comes up is that narratively, this film has all the narrative cliches that we see in video games that we forgive because they're video games. You know, so for example, but that said, that said. I'm glaring. Yeah, I know. Can you, could you hear the head turn yeah. slowly, audience? No, but the, you, would, you would have to admit that, that, say for example, a game like Serious Sam or even Duke Nukem is filled with video game cliche that, that are kind of fun because it's in, a, in, in that medium. But once you a, trans- let's, let's change it to stereotypical video game cliches because there are, especially, we're kind of going through a little bit of a renaissance, even and, though people are kicking and screaming trying to drag us back. Well, that's the thing. So when I, you know, that first night when I couldn't get into the movie, right. what I did was I went home and I've been, it's been sitting on my laptop for like about a month and I haven't done it yet, but I decided to play Firewatch. Oh, great game from what yeah, I understand. Great, Firewatch is fantastic. And Firewatch has this kind of maturity and and elevated storytelling, which is closer to what I'm used to in cinema. You should also play The Witness. I've heard that's great as well, yeah. So there is this whole renaissance of great storytelling in first-person games. Uh, and and I feel like Hardcore Henry is, is, slow, is, is sort of more of a harken back to those older games like Duke Nukem. Now, Half-Life 2 is, I think, one of the high watermarks for a game, for a video, for even just an ex- a viewing experience. I think, you know, like if, if, if Hardcore Henry was like Half-Life 2, that would be, that would elevate it into something different. Well, I mean, if you want to, I mean, I understand that. I mean, you want to say what has a better story, Hardcore Henry or Half-Life 2, Half-Life 2 has a better story. Um, but and- does, now here's the thing. I'm not sure. I, I don't know if it's, if it actually has a better story. Cause I didn't actually mind the story in Hardcore Henry. It's just that, because you're playing through it and you're engaged with it in a different way than you are with watching Hardcore Henry. No, it's a better one because look, Hardcore Henry at the at the at its absolute base until a actually very nice twist at the end, which I enjoyed and didn't fully see coming. Right. Um, the Hardcore Henry is Mario. You you have to go get the princess. You have to go save the girl. Go save the girl. Go save the girl. Go save the girl. Oh, she's not there. Got to go somewhere else to save the girl. Oh, now you got to do this to get this to get this to save the girl. Go save the girl. Whereas Half-Life had fucking political intrigue and who's controlling what. And it was much, it was a much more of sort of a political theater behind all of the random shooting and gravity guns that like really drove me in. And yeah, of course there's, when you're controlling something, you have more of a tie to it, but I think I've been trained. And I think a lot of people in, in the generation, uh, uh, my generation, even back um, just that have been trained with games. Like you can do that. Like you can just like, I'll watch People play first-person shooters and still get the same effect. So, I mean, I think that's sort of the same thing you were talking about. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, the, uh, <laughs> I, the the thing about this movie, and actually right after this we should get into spoilers, is I can't unequivocally say everyone should go see it. Like, that's that's kind of what bugs me. But again, I, would but, you, would that, that old woman who was standing outside my theater, would you tell her to go see this movie? I would say it's different from anything you've seen before. And if you're not in the mood for something that m- you might hate, don't yeah. go do it. Like I'd never oversell it yeah. because I feel like overselling something like this, which at its core is just a, a, a really well done concept piece. Yeah, I, I did um, appreciate the film. Yeah, yeah, like I think I think you can't you can't be like, but but here's the thing. I bet you there are like 13 or 14 year olds or whatever out there that went and saw this and it's their favorite movie now. Sure. Now, yeah, and possibly, I'm not and yeah. I'm not saying that's good or bad because favorites are favorites and people love what they love. Yeah. But like 
this was just so different. And the last thing I'll say before we get into plot is the fact that it was so different. It even, even if like I could, it just felt so refreshing in a weird way. Yeah. It was something that I had never seen in a movie theater. Yeah. And those moments are few and far between these days. And, and you know, like we go back, uh, we go back and talk about Marvel movies a lot. We talk about superhero movies a lot. And I think here, stop bringing up Marvel. <laughs> there's something about, this story told in this way, which I, I did find more refreshing and I found myself more engaged in like what's happening and what's going on and what is this person doing? What is this person I like doing? figuring out the world. Yeah. More than I did in say a Deadpool where I didn't, you know, I wasn't that engaged in who was good and who was bad and what was going on. But Deadpool had a more compelling main character. Right. Deadpool is a character piece. This is a, how do you, what would this be? Con- yeah, and the thing that I kind of would wish for is that if 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 either Deadpool had this kind of storyline where I was kind of, or maybe even this kind of format where I was a little bit more engaged, or if Hardcore Henry had more of a Deadpool type character and that that was actually interesting. So that's it's it's I'm kind of like one half dozen of the other. Ultimately, I enjoyed even though this experience left me nauseous, I still enjoyed it more than Deadpool. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, I think I did. Because hmm. I think it left me more to chew on than Deadpool did. I mean, <sighs> yes. I mean, it, there's more to discuss. Yeah. Um, But I will say I unequivocally like Deadpool more because at the end of the day, I'm a character guy. Right. Like, And, and while uh, Charlotte O'Copley's uh, character of Jimmy, who will explain why he's awesome in a second, um, he did a good job. Uh, for me, just keeping my interest from a character perspective. Well, it's funny. He didn't until it revealed who he was and how he was doing things. Yeah. Before it was like, how's this happening? It was a very lost moment. Um, uh, He did that enough for me to to sort of get over the, okay, I'm cool with this threshold. But Deadpool is just, I don't care what the story is as long as Ryan Reynolds is fucking killing it, both literally and figuratively on the screen. Um, and just making the whole thing a good time. If, if Charlotte Copley wasn't in this film and his character wasn't in this film, cause, cause you could argue he doesn't need to be in this movie. I mean, so a, a character like that does though. It, he's no, he the need, tutorial guy. He needs to be in it in order to help us through the movie, but yes. he's actually not functioning narratively in a way that needs to be there. Well, it's funny. Uh, he does need to be there for the story that they build, especially near the end, it all kind of ties together with uh, the bad guy and like what's going on. But the way you even sort of just figured that out, like right now, as I said it, it's like, it doesn't like this. This is not a movie trying to tell you the story. Like you could still do this movie without that. It would just be less. Yeah, exactly. But it would not take away from the technical and, uh, you know, sort of originality acumen of doing a movie in a full first person view, an action movie. And and I'm a big, big fan of that music video, uh, the bad motherfucker music video. I think it was exceptional when I saw it. Um, It was so exciting, so refreshing. Um, that I was, I, you know, I'm, I'm very supportive of this director. I, 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 I like this kind of energy that he's bringing to this. I like that he's trying things in this way. And I think, I think even beyond the kind of whiz bang of seeing things this way, he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of technical acumen, which is yeah better than most people do. Like his action scenes are really easy to, to figure out where I am, mm-hmm. even though he's like throwing the camera around. Even the hand to hand shit. Yeah. Like I, I was worried about that when I saw some bits and pieces of the actual fisticuffs in the trailer, I was like, that's going to feel weird. Yeah. And but, it didn't to it me. It didn't. No, he, he does a really good job of that stuff. And then he, his actions, you know, cause he's one of the writers on this film as well. His action writing is actually really inventive in the, in the same way that crank is. He, he's, he's clearly, it's cl- like, you know, and we should caveat this right from the get go, which is that I don't. This is a movie that feels like it was written for and written by a young male who loves video games, because this is not stereotypical young male who loves. Yeah, video stereotypical games. young male, because this is not uh, gender uh, positive in any no. way, shape, or form. No. This is very. This is very aggressively violent. You know, it's funny. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's aggressively violent. There's the stuff takes place in a strip club. There's yeah. topless women everywhere. Yeah, the, the 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 way women are portrayed in this film is not. 
I, my the, only, the, only, the only woman I felt something for in this movie was the woman you see in the trailer when he's sliding down the escalator and they accidentally kick her and her face goes smashing into the escalator. I was like, <gasps> but, but I, I, and as soon as I say that out loud, you know, like it's, I, it's kind of like a well doy kind of moment, you know, sure. so I, this is not meant to be that kind of film, but it's also, it's very aggressively not that kind of film where, where I feel like a young girl is going to hate this movie. Possibly. I mean, some, possibly. one that's not into sort of a gamer-esque culture. Yeah, uh, yeah that would, possibly. Yeah. And I wouldn't recommend my wife see this movie. I don't think she'll enjoy it. Yeah, Robin didn't want to see it. Well, she thought she'd get motion sick, but. Yeah, um, but that's it. I enjoyed Crank in the same way, and I think Crank is, is a similar young male kind of movie. Yeah. And I, there's something about, like, um, doing that with gusto, which I do appreciate. You mm-hmm. know, like, I, I think there is something about, like, just, Throwing balls to the wind and just just going for wow, it. Wow, balls to the wind. Yeah, I know it'll probably get kind of cold if you did that. Yeah, but I'm just saying, <laughs> shrinkage is fine. Don't 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 judge me. But <laughs> but uh, there's something, you know, like let's talk about my balls as we talk about young male uh, video games. No, you I'll just judge. keep digging that hole. I'll just be right here, uh, not not the, digging. Yeah, this is me calling you from the hole. Help me, man. Yeah. Help me. No, I I do a pre. I I as much as I didn't, as much as the experience was uncomfortable for me. Um, I did appreciate this movie on some level. You are a fan of innovation. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot, there's a lot, this movie has a life to it that a lot of movies don't. This right. movie has a life and a heartbeat and a pulse to and it. And you can tell the people that made it really care. Yeah. Like, in a weird way, like, they, it's all about, like, they they love this movie. The director and actually uh, Charles Couple, who was a big, uh, he was a producer and slash co-writer. There, there was so a was, Kickstarter to this movie yeah, as well. So yeah, because they, yeah. they needed stuff to finish it. They had shot like uh, yeah. two thirds of it or something. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so beyond this point, I think it's safe to say we're going to get into spoilers again. Not that too much can get spoiled, but it did some interesting things to a lot of times in this movie. Well, maybe like one or two times, but like right when I was at the point, and this is probably just very good storytelling in a way, right when I was at the point where I'm like, all right, I'm over this. I've figured it out. Like who gives a shit? Yeah. Something would happen. And I got really interested again. Uh, but basically the story, uh, you know, without going through beat by beat, Henry, the first person character that we inhabit as the audience, uh, wakes up in his wife's lab and he's sort of some kind of cyborg for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's fixing him up and whatever. And that's sort of why he can do all these indestructible, cool things we <laughs> see uh, or we can do when we're in this movie. Uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, right as they're sort of getting through in typical video game fashion, when when the good guy wakes up somewhere and all of a sudden, boom, bad guy blows up the door and Aiken, uh, the bad guy who, oh my God, he was fucking awful. Yeah, the actor there is not and, good. And it sucked because like you really want, a lot of times these movies, they're only as good as their villains. Again, luckily uh, we had the character of Jimmy who we'll discuss in a second to, to take us through. But uh Aiken was basically like a cross between every generic Call of Duty villain that yeah. wasn't um, <laughs> Frank Underwood, and then also a little bit of Johnny from the Room. Yeah, a little bit of that. Like, yeah, yeah. He, like he slipped in and out of an accent, and like he got weird, and then not weird, and then I don't know. He was just a bad, not cool, just off villain. I kind of, I kind of liked the notion that 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 Aiken had these powers that we didn't understand. I was kind of like, yes, oh, he always he was kind of psychic. He could he could he would telekinetic. He could uh, move things or stop people with his brain. And it was weird because the comic book that I mentioned earlier that they gave you as a companion piece was basically Aiken's backstory, okay, which explains exactly how he got his powers. And and it was weird because the first line of the comic book is. Chernobyl before the before the uh, the nuclear fallout, and I was like, okay, I get it, I understand. I didn't need to read the rest of the comic. Right. I get it. I get you know what Aiken's the deal is. But uh, he breaks in and yeah. beats the shit out of Henry and him and the girl escape. But they like to take a pod out. They're actually in the sky, and that was really cool. They like shoot out of a pod and then they hit the uh, the highway, and then Aiken's guys come and get them and take mm-hmm. the princess away from our hero, us Henry. Uh, and then shortly after, uh, Henry is saved. We are saved by. Uh, Jimmy, played by Charlotte Copley. Um, and the interesting thing about Jimmy is he's sort of like the tutorial character. He's like, oh, you can't talk? Oh, your voice modulation's not installed, so that makes sense why the character can't talk. He's like, well, at least you're not deaf. And he kind of helps him through stuff. He's like, you have to do this. You, you, you're you're going to live for a while, but you need this power battery because you weren't built to last that long. So you have to go kill this other cyborg to get it. And then to do that, then afterward, we can find out where your girl is and then go get her. 
Like there's, you know, it's yeah. a video game. It's, it's a video it's game video plot. Ga- video game logic and time. Uh, so level one is getting that power supply, but through that, uh, Jimmy dies somewhere along the way, and very suddenly in the car the yeah. first time. And I was like, oh fuck! And I, when it happened, I was like, damn! If that's Charlotte Copley's only, uh, only fucking time of this movie is ten minutes, I was like, uh, uh-uh. uh. Now I gotta be honest with you. I I know you you kind of enjoyed Charlotte Copley, and I liked his character. Um, I, I like this Jimmy thing. And there's a moment later in the movie, uh, where they do, uh, Frank Sinatra's under my well, skin. Yeah. And we'll explain why. In a second, yeah. But. Yeah. Which is, which I thought was, was transcendent. I thought it was a, just a very clever idea. Um, but Charlotte Copley left a bad taste in my mouth, um, in Spike Lee's old boy. And I haven't quite been able to shake it ever since. Well, that's not his fault. It, he He's so bad in that movie. I haven't seen it. I, didn't, I refuse to see it. Why would you even see that? I, I was curious. I was like, because I like Spike Lee. I don't think there's any reason to remake that movie, but I like Spike Lee a lot. So I was like, I, I want to see. Maybe he's got an interesting take on it. Turns out he doesn't. And he's, a, in fact, he the the villain. I mean, I like cheeseburgers to hear, but yeah. I'm not going to make them in a microwave. Like what? Like the, why? We already have the perfect movie for that story called Old Boy. Hey, I, I didn't pay to see it in the theater. I, it was on right. Netflix and All I was right. bored and I was like, oh, let me just check this out. Uh, he was so he and the thing is is that he was doing the thing that he does in this movie, which is accents, and he has this horrible whiny accent in Old Boy. And as soon as he turned up in this movie, the first thing because you know he's South African, he was in District Nine where, yeah. he, played, where he had his natural voice, and so Thickest. every every time he does an accent, it's so affected to me it's so it's such an affectation that it doesn't quite work and as soon as he started doing that in this movie i was like i like it i'm not buying this i like the way you sound sir and i keep and i keep thinking oh boy is this charlotte copley's bet he's the guy who does accents badly Um, i don't think he does them badly i think he does them differently and that's the weirdest part i and that's because I, I look a bad accent is a bad accent. Yeah. I'm from New England, and yeah. if I have to watch one more fucking Boston crime movie where they can't get any of the fucking accents right, that but 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 listen, Charlton Copley was great in District Nine. I loved him in District sure. Nine. Sure, yeah. But what I'm saying is, I think his accents that he does in in his movies, um, and he's done them without. He was a great fucking uh, Mad Murdoch in uh, A Team. Oh yeah, kind of. He was I, great. He I, every time I watch that movie, yeah. it's funny. He's a surprise greatness because I always forget how much I love him in that movie until I watch it. And there's moments where you're like, that it, it feels fresh every time. Like I guess it's just good enough yeah. where you're like, that's fucking awesome, but not good enough to stick in your brain. So it's, it's that so perfect f- moment. It's so funny. That movie is so forgettable to me that I forgot I'd seen it until you mentioned it. It's I I actually I I respect that movie. I like the director of that uh, movie a lot. I, I really yeah. I I was shocked how much I enjoyed it. Uh, anyway, but um anyway, I think there's a difference between a bad accent and putting your own spin that makes it interesting. Yeah. In an accent. Then, and whether or not that's a choice of his or not, I just find or it's a choice of mine. Yeah. I find him and all of his accents endearing and sort of character building in a weird way. Like, I just like it. But then as the movie goes on and we realize what Charlto Copley's, Jimmy's character is, I kind of enjoyed him more. Gotcha. So yeah. let's break that down because I feel like I've been like, we're going to talk about that later about nine and times. Maybe, and yeah, look, I'm going to let you, okay, you do, you break it down first and I'll explain why it started working for me. Slowly. Sure. Basically, you find out throughout this entire action adventure that you as Henry go on, uh, each time like Jimmy got shot in the car and you're like, oh, fuck. And then he, you're left alone, but then he gets a phone call from Jimmy saying, meet me here. And then he goes and it's like a different Jimmy. Yeah. And then they're like, what the hell? And then that Jimmy dies. And then like, you're like, what the hell? And you keep meeting new versions of Jimmy, like a coked out one in a strip club, uh, 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 an old British general, um, just a ton of different sort of characters of this guy, a hippie. Yeah. Uh, and then later on through the movie, when you finally get to the end and, uh, or not, kind of near the end before the final action sequence, you get to uh, Jimmy's headquarters and Jimmy himself is actually a paraplegic guy that was working for um, for the bad guy trying to develop soldiers like super soldiers. And uh, he paralyzed him. Now he has to live in this chair, but he has this sort of virtual reality headset thing that he can basically put himself in bodies. He built about himself like avatars. He could avatar himself. Uh, And the, the scene that she hears talking about, he sings, I've got you under my skin. He's like, basically saying a line from each of his avatars that's left. And then like, he turns them off and like, he only inhabit one at a time. So then like another one comes through and start, he was a punk one. Yeah. That was really cool. Uh, so that to me, when that happened, I was like, that's 
cool as shit. Yeah, like I, I really like that scene. I think that's a great scene. But even so, like that concept, I wasn't expecting. Yeah, I. I, when I, when I well no when he, when he kept yeah. dying I thought he was just like a helpful AI or like something else I didn't I didn't think the whole virtual reality avatar route which I should because that's you know virtual reality is all yeah. actually here it's here oh my god the Oculus and that's um, a, it's a cool video game reveal as yes well. that's a, that's a like you know that's a cool little turn yeah. and I like that um and, and then I and, like how the and they did some really fun things with him turning on and off the the avatars to like do different things like he had one he had the general bent over his body when they were escaping uh, uh their, their that, compounds being raided wasn't that such a middle gear solid kind of moment where it was like you've got to get this guy out and he's got an avatar and you can turn that avatar on at any moment and not make, really metal gear i kind of saw it as a middle gear moment where like you would have to drag a body to one area and then go back and do something and then drag a body I to yes you know sure yeah an escort mission i yeah. mean video games have escort missions all the time yeah it was basically an escort mission um and you know like when that when that reveal kind of happened and you realize that that basically every avatar was like a different expression of the central paraplegic guy's personality. And he he, he built them. He, there's a story moment in it where he's like, you know, I got to live out every life I've ever wanted to live out. Yeah. Like, I, he, it was like an actual character moment of like, oh, this makes sense why he would do this. Now, I wish that the film had done that with with Akon, the, the, the villain. Like... I he was cookie cutter. He was cookie cutter. And and unfortunately that made the end of it, uh, the end of the film just kind of happened in front of me. I, I wasn't really engaged in the turns that happened right. around that. Whereas when, when we re revealed who Jimmy was, that was the best part. I was like, Oh, okay, cool. I'm in this. But then the, there's like another half hour or 45 <laughs> minutes to this movie where, well, the, the action sequence is what kept me through it. Yeah. And I just, and to me, there's a thing about the action sequences as well, which is again, there was an escalation of action sequences. Sure. It was really, and um, they felt different. And they they all felt different. And they did cool things like they did a, a motorcycle chase. Oh God bless! A, a running chase, a climbing chase, um, a tank scene. Yeah. Now the thing is, those scenes would just happen sequentially without much connective tissue holding them together. Like I was just like. Wait, we're in the forest now. What? No, they, they and then and then like and then a tank's attacking him. What? And then we're in this compound. Uh, how did we get here? No, you know, like, I think and I'm going to kind of challenge you on that. I think they did. I'm not saying it was. Um, I'm not saying it was like super adept like mm -hmm. storytelling, but they gave enough connective tissue for me to get those moments through. I was expecting much less. Right. A. There was a couple things I was I was hoping they didn't do and they didn't do. One, I didn't want them to try to make it all look like one take. Yes, they marry sort of takes together, especially in action sequences, to make it feel more visceral. Yeah. But uh, th for the most part, they actually they didn't. They actually cut. There were moments where the movie cut and it's a little bit further down the road, like if he's running or if he's doing yeah. something transitional. Like I appreciated that they appreciated my time. Yeah, yeah. Because it's um, funny because in <laughs> in Firewatch right now, every time I have to like do you know, get from one end of the map to the other. I get a little fast bit of, travel. I no, well, I get a little bit annoyed, you know, oh. like I'm like, Oh God, why are we doing this? Is there fast traveling? There's running. Oh, in like fallout. Once you've you, discovered a place, you, you can, can fast, fast travel, travel which too. actually breaks the narrative quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, hardcore Henry did a good sort of balance point. Yeah, of that. I think, and, and they did the thing where they would like glitch out his screen yeah. or something yeah. like that. You know? Um, so like the story told enough to me to get me to the tank to get me to the helicopter now we have we get, to go how did we get to the tank okay they were it was in the woods hold on well th th here's the other thing you have to understand about the story and once you've seen it two or three times in the movie happen you just understand uh and you just go with it because it's a consistent thing they've built in the world akon 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 yeah akon no not him uh akon uh is that he, your Sega rendition? Sega no, uh, no, it wasn't like he's uh, Akon, the singer. Oh, Akon? Yeah. Mm, no, it's not. This is Akon. No, I know that <laughs> this isn't. Oh, my God. No, I was. Yes, it was Sega, Shahir. Um, no, <laughs> so smack that his. On on the there you floor, go. Smack yeah. That. He would have been a better villain. Floor. Smack that. Do, 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 do. Smack that. Oh. He would have been a better villain. Uh, the. <laughs> you completely made me lose my train of thought. Um, yes. the, I'm back, baby. Oh, yeah, great. Um, the What was the question? What were you asking me? See, you've lost your train of thought even in the question, which was the question was fundamentally about how the train of thought got us to the tank. 
Right, which you kept trying to break from me. So they were on the the highway chase scene with the cool thing where they uh, throw the How grenade they in the get van. To the highway chase scene. The highway chase scene was out the door of the parking lot of the strip club. They got on the hippie's motorcycle and he was in the sidecar and they chased them away. Wasn't the so here's the thing? Wasn't the the hippie the the strip club was in the city and then they got on the motorcycle and, the and they we drove out of the city. They drove out of you saw them drive out of the city. We're in the countryside for some reason, but I don't know who were we chasing. Well, were, again, oh, oh, I remember my point. Ha ha, <laughs> we're back. Uh, something you have to accept about this movie is uh, Aiken's men are everywhere they they are ai bad villains they are everywhere they're the guys that come in from all screens are the respawning bad guys yeah. they're just they're bad military people yeah bad motherfuckers if you will yeah um and so once that happens you know once uh, a bunch of them happen then a guy with a flamethrower comes out and hits a bus and then this other thing you're like oh they're just gonna keep coming and actually there's a narrative ha ah, ha ha <laughs> slight narrative reason you actually find out right during that scene of under my skin you find out that uh, Aiken is actually he has a tracer and can actually see everything that Henry sees right well no didn't that happen earlier though and they cut they cut the tracer out that was later no they discover it in there because that's how they found Jimmy's compound and Jimmy was pissed because he thought that Henry was spying on him right for Aiken right uh, see you just didn't pay attention because you were feeling all nauseous <laughs> um so so there were reasons why there were always swarming enemies and why the tank could find him and why, like they did enough. But it was tenuous though, right? Like there's no, yeah, but, 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 but think about no it. Way. I put enough video games where they don't link that shit together and it yeah. bothers me as long as, yeah, they did it with a hand wave, but they did it like, yeah. and again, I'm not expecting high art sort of like super deep meaning storytelling from these characters because they haven't, they didn't sell it to me like that in the yeah. advertising and throughout the movie, they never lied to me telling me this was going to happen. Make me like super care about a thing. Even this, his wife is so cookie cutter and kind of unbelievable. Like, yeah. You don't buy her as a sign. Like she, she comes on screen and, and tells you she's a scientist. That yeah. she's and she, all those tics, you know, she tells you that like, and she, she looks loves all him. Of, she looks all of 21 years old and you're kind of like, I don't know yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. So, um, no, but I do think they did enough connective tissue for me to keep, I've seen, I've seen films shot regularly that didn't do as the, much. The thing is, is that the, it did the thing that video games do, which is that you escalate scenes by adding more hardware. So suddenly a tank comes out of nowhere. Suddenly a helicopter sure. comes out of it. Suddenly a guy wearing like a mirror ball suit has a flamethrower walks out in the middle of the street. But again, a movie like Crank kind of has more of a filmic storytelling mode, which is that these characters say, okay, we've got to go to this place to, in order to get this thing. We yeah, I just to, think it's telling the story differently. It's I telling think the story differently. And, and again, if you... I think if you watch this movie in the with with video game at the back of your head every time you think about it, then it's an acceptable mode of storytelling. The older woman who's what who who I told not to watch this movie, I think who maybe doesn't have that frame of reference, will just be like, "What the fuck? What just happened? How did I, this happen?" I will tell you, a lot of people probably got. Re I mean, I got super even a little bit queasy, and this never happens to me in the opening credits, which isn't even in your first person perspective yet. But it's that slow mo red violence stuff oh, yeah, when yeah. the knife went in the dude's neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, Ooh. "Oh, yeah." And I mean, you know, that, we, and it, like like I said before, it sets you up for what it is. And if yeah. you don't like the first five minutes, get the fuck out. And yeah. and you know what? There's something refreshing yeah. about a film that's just that. Like it's not pandering to yeah everyone it, it's that thing which is that i think it's it's weird to say because i feel like in a different filmmaker's hands and with the wrong kind of connotations this would you would go ah these people are just awful people who made this film but but knowing but but there's something about the way the form is used the first person perspective and the way that that opening that you just mentioned sits it yep. up where you kind of go, these people know what they're doing is aggressively violent and video gamey and, and, you know, hypersexualized and, and it's okay to, you know, like, and I'm like, it's okay to have a movie do that sure. as long as the filmmakers know what it is they're doing. And another example, like, for example, you know, we talked about Batman v Superman. Was it last week? Oh, or, did we? No, you know, it was two weeks ago. It was two weeks ago. Whatever. Um, there, Welcome back. Uh, Zack Snyder made Sucker Punch, and I feel like Zack Snyder with Sucker Punch was trying to do something that was uh, sub ooh, uh, subversive about female sexuality in comics and cartoons and anime, you know. But but completely missed the point. Yep. And kind of and kind of like <laughs> shot himself in the foot 
by like having these hypersexualized. No, girls. Shahir, but they're 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 imagining their way out of a mental institution. That's actually they're imagining it's a brothel. Yeah. Anyway, what I'm saying, and what I'm saying there is that both is, horrible anti-power fantasies. Yeah. In 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 this film, I feel like the makers kind of get what they're doing. Yes. And are just going with it. Whereas I feel like in say something like a sucker punch. There's a kind of misguided approach. Right. Well, I even say this bad motherfucker, the video. Yeah. Uh, I, you know what always bugged me about it? Because the video itself is wonderful. Yeah. Is the, the title frame? The title the frame. frame. The title frame, yeah. There's like a second and it's, a half where the character in Bad Motherfucker runs across a roof and two women with huge breasts are sunbathing. Yeah. And he like looks at them for a second and runs away. And it's like a funny little cute moment, like just oh, real it's quick. The, it's, the, it's the fastest of the fast scene. But it's the title frame. It's and, the and title frame on the YouTube video. Now, I gotta be honest with you. If I was like the producer of that video, that's the title frame. Of course, I would pick of course, but like, that's everybody clicks and then, on it. And then you have to go the whole fucking high road, low road route. Like, whose fault is it? Is it the fault of the consumer that will always click something like that, or is it the fault of the artist that is exploiting this thing that they know the consumer will always do? It's the circle of life, snake eating its own tail. The uh, you know, same as it ever was. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Garbage. Yeah. Uh, but so this movie, I would. I mean, again, I. Just even seeing that still frame and seeing, but like, again, it's so, it's interesting you bring up Sucker Punch because Sucker Punch, you're right, missed the ball where this is just, it's, it's so weird. It's, it's got a different, it's got a different target. It's got a different target and it's unapologetic, but not to the point of preachy or making it seem like it thinks this is the way everything should be. Yeah. I don't think the film takes itself very seriously. No. Which is, which is probably its major saving grace. It's the same thing. It's the same reason I love crank. Cause I feel like crank doesn't, doesn't take, take itself, itself seriously. seriously. Uh, Charlotte Copley was on the nerdist. Okay. And he was talking about how he would only do this movie because he's friends with the director. And the director actually wanted to make it originally a much more serious sci-fi driven movie. Right. And Charlto basically was like, no, like it won't survive that. Yeah. Like it needs to be self-referential. It needs to know what it is. It needs to kind of not as much as Deadpool, but like wink at the audience yeah. like or else he's like, or I'm not doing it. And they went back and forth and reworked the script to be sort of what it is. Yeah. And um, I, I think it's better for it. I think it's better for it. I think there is room to improve the narrative. There, yeah, of course. There's room to improve. But but again, this is a first film, you know, and and as a first film, I did kind of appreciate it. Not as much as the next first film we're going to talk about on this on this podcast. Oh, next but, week. Yeah. But uh, but I did. There's a it, it reminded me of when I saw Saw for the first time, the James Wan movie. I saw that late, but I liked it a lot. There was just a there's an energy and drive to that first Saw movie. There's an urgency to the filmmaking that I kind of was like, yeah, you know what? Even though there are some problems with this movie, fuck it. The, the, there's a there's a like a breaking down of a wall that I kind of appreciate. And I, I'm going to can't believe I'm going to do this, but the secret ingredient to any good art is love. Like yeah. they, they love this movie. Uh, the guys who made saw the first one, I think really loved the movie. They had something to show. They you had know. something to tell. They had, they, they, they wanted to make something, they wanted to share something and they wanted to be like, look, I want you, the audience to love this as much as we love this. So yeah. we're going to make it the best you can. And you can't say that about a lot of things, especially in a lot of consumery sort of nonsense days. So like, I, you know, I, I will forgive a ton if behind the scenes you can feel that they really, really, really love what they're doing because that's going to shine through no matter what. Like, and I, I, and I don't, and you know, like it's, it's, I don't feel like this film is pandering. Like I don't feel. No, like and is. that's the weird part because it totally should feel like it is, and it doesn't. I think if it was made, because again, we got to remember this was an is ostensibly an indie film, and it's yeah. not. It's not like doing gangbusters at the box office. I think it's but, ten mil by now. Yeah, it's not. It's not doing huge money or anything like that, but it's doing you know well enough for as it should. Yeah. So I feel like if this had been like a four quadrant kind of movie where it had gone through the studio system and they were like, how can we make this appeal to, you know, young boys, how can we make it appeal to girls? All that stuff would like kill this movie yes. in its track yeah. and it would make it a cynical experience. Mm -hmm. And it's not a cynical experience. No. As much as I'm a guy who hates fun, I think this is a fun movie. Wow. But, but you I, don't hate the movie. But I, uh, well, I didn't, for me personally, just because of the nauseous uh, motion sickness mm -hmm. thing, I kind of didn't enjoy my experience. And, and you know, like I, I, I have a question mark around whether that first person thing can sustain 90 minutes. Like if this film was 45 minutes, I think it would be a, 
amazing experience. I didn't look at my watch once. Like yeah. I really didn't. And I was worried that I would. Cause yeah. again, anything, when you do something different like this, you're going to question like, Oh fuck. When we were talking about doing uh, what the fucking, uh, what's the other one we did? Uh, uh, the third one, the internet movie with the Kung Fury. Kung wow. Fury. Or I was gonna, remember I was going to make you go see that Matthew Barney movie. That was five and a half hours. Long. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, thanks for not doing that. Um, still want to do that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like that is a, a style for instance that I, again, I don't know if I could watch that for an hour and a half. It's great for a half hour. Yeah. Um, this, I didn't know if I would be able to watch for an hour and a half and I totally could now then begs the question, could I watch other movies in this style? style? No, that's the thing. I, I hope that Ilya Nishula is done with this. Like I hope he, it, this he, is not a this is not a, a revolution. This is a successful experiment. Yeah, I I hope that he is going to move on and do something else now. Now he's also a musician, so maybe maybe this was it for him. This was like music in this movie was really good too. The the stuff that he made for it and the uh, the, the score, the, the, yeah, the um the soundtrack as well. They yeah, had great it was sounds. it was it was. It was cool in that video game way, you know. Like for me, if you use that reference video game again, it was, it was very cool music. Yeah. Um, I I don't know what he's gonna do next. I just hope I hope that he doesn't do this again. Like I, don't I doubt th- he will. I don't think a there's two there's two things here. I hope they don't make a sequel. They won't. They probably will. Uh, if, I don't if, think they will. If it look, if this movie makes enough money, it will. They will make a sequel. The second thing is is I hope he you know like again this first person thing. They're done with it. You know, like I'm I'm just. Let's let's move on. Like, cool. I'm glad you did it. I like the music video. I think you successfully managed to take that music video concept and extend it out close to to my my personal breaking point. But mm-hmm. I think you know, like you said, you you didn't look at your watch yeah. once. I did once or twice, but 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 I could you know, like it didn't overstay its welcome entirely. Um, that's it. The last the last third of it, you know, the final action sequence just kind of happened, and I and I was just kind of waiting for it to end. Um, I'd say the one at the roof with all the the dudes and the the other cyborgs was my least favorite, and that's the that's the last scene. Yeah, but it was still it was fine. And then I really liked the Dragon Ball moment where uh, Aiken was like floating and he was jumping across the bodies to get to him on the helicopter. Like I thought that was really cool and a very sort of like final boss moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I liked the twist at the end. I liked the that the, the woman. Was- so this is this is what this is what sold me. Because every time I, again, like I said, the narrative would make me drop and I'd be like, oh, nope, they got me back. Yeah. The whole point of Henry, the, the character that you're inhabiting, was the, his wife, his girlfriend or whatever, uh, no, it was his wife, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that she uh, is actually working for Aiken and she's developing basically a memory protocol, like they're building memories for their cyborgs. Yeah to drive them forward because they were making cyborgs, but they wouldn't have a will to fight. And so she's building this perfect memory of like, Oh, I need to rescue. Like basically they're doing it in a sort of way to program these soldiers, these cyber soldiers, these brainwashed things to believe in whatever they're going to sell them to fight for. Right. And that moment to me, I was like, Oh yeah. Now could they, yes, that was, it was literally set two or three sentences of dialogue to tell you that like, could they have, done that in a different way could they have extended upon it could they have done jimmy's character better to like build the world of course that's not what the movie's about the movie's about blowing shit up in a first person perspective uh but i've liked that they at least did that every sort of weirdity that the story hit they had a story reason for it and i appreciated that because a lot of these and i think that again this sort of goes back to the concept i feel like you can tell that he loves this movie that he's making uh all the people making it loved it um it's that only someone that loves this would take this style and this material and give it enough connective tissue to really build it in a world. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think I, I think you're right. Uh, I mean, I did. I found that connective tissue a little bit loosey goosey, but it is there. Um, and, but the final sequence didn't do much for me. It just kind of kept going and, and I wasn't that invested in it. Um, the turn, it, you know, it reminded me of a universal soldier a little bit, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. the, the Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. It's, it's a slight extension of that idea in a different way, which is like in universal soldier, they were remembering their actual memories. Whereas in this, they're creating new memories. Isn't it uh, universal soldier that was actually supposed to be the script for master of the universe two before he man stock took a dive. Oh God. I don't, I, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, a whole remember, thing. Like they yeah, rewrote the plot. I know, I know we said we only listened, we couldn't find any podcast, but there's an excellent podcast called how did this get made, which has a, 
a full uh, recount of uh, He-Man Masters of the Universe. Oh, I uh, which is, Yeah, which is really interesting. If, Again, only, we are if the, only it existed anywhere outside of Shahir's uh, thoughts. Yeah, exactly, because we are the only podcast about movies. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I, I kind of like that in that Universal Soldier-ish way, yep. which is a movie I, you know, I kind of dug when I was younger. Um, and I kind of, and I did like the kind of escalation of uh, villains, you know, to the point where you get the big, the big boss at the end. And, you know, like, uh, who, uh, who is the Metal Gear Solid guy? Hideo? K- yeah. Kojima. Kojima. You know, it kind it really, f- like, Akon felt like a villain from that universe. Like he really uh, no, I gotta disagree. Like yes, if you did a cookie cutter, like if it was like a photocopy done nine times, run through a shitty fax machine, and like the 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 the, the reason Kojima's characters are awesome, they're fucking weird, and yeah. Aiken is weird. Yeah, like he's got that going for him. But like every character that he makes as a villain, or most of them, are so nuanced and like just really like there's a deep reason of why they're weird again the comic book it doesn't count it i mean it doesn't count but it kind of like for me it was like i and again all i needed was the first frame doesn't count though it's not you're not interesting it's it's not in the film he's weird he's weird he's supposed to make you feel off-putting and he does so yay he did that but like if you put him up against if if it was in the film i think you would probably see it more in that way now now that maybe now that i've read that comic book and i'm kind of like but like at the same time like psycho mantis from metal gear or even uh even uh oh the oh god what was it the uh any of them from metal gear solid 3 snake eater uh they had such just amazing story like the sorrow Mm -hmm. oh he's so fucking cool anyway sorry uh they they just have great backstories and throughout all the games some of them tie together revolver ocelot like has been through the entire whatever i'll yeah. nerd out later but uh aiken did not do that for me i don't think he is a kojima joint i think it's so, so, it's someone's bad knockoff kia version of of that <laughs> so so with that in mind that last third i mean again i you know must have been a little bit i mean i guess other than the reveal for you was the only reason to hang on to that last third of the movie. Sure. You know, like for me, it wasn't, that reveal wasn't quite enough to like hang on to this last third It of kept, the- it, it literally like every time I felt I was slipping, it grabbed me back. So. Right. And then, and then, you know, the way it ends was kind of just like, all right, this is the moment we're yeah. getting out. We're getting out of here. Yeah. yeah bye. Know, Which is fine. It's fine. It's fine. It doesn't, it doesn't like. I wasn't expecting a big catharsis for Henry, for me. Yeah. I, I mean, look, again, I. For what it is, I enjoyed this movie more than the action movies that we often review on this show. Okay. You know, like, because I, I, I think there's a kind of, we know what we're doing, we're going to have a good time, you're going to get into this, and here we go. And we're out. You know, it's it's kind of, it doesn't take itself seriously enough for me to dig it. I mean, so now we're kind of getting into sort of final thoughts territory, because um, we've been talking for about an hour. Yeah. Um, I want to give a little thing. I don't know if you'll agree with this or not, but this is sort of like my final thought slash final thing. This movie uh, struck a chord with me the same way that The Revenant did. In terms of technique? In terms of the reasons that it's special. Now, granted, it's on the opposite sides of these Mm -hmm. spectrums. Yeah. But the reason that both of these films are special is the technical acumen of the people involved and not the story. And let me sort of, I'll I'll go into it a little bit. So both of them are sort of this weird sort of pinnacles of filmmaking just on like sort of the Revenant side. It's the, oh my God, it was so hard to shoot in these climates and they're using all natural light and it took forever and the planning that had to go into these sequences to actually get them done to make them look like fucking paintings come to life on the screen. And on Hardcore Henry, it's the complete opposite, but like it's stunt to the highest form of the art that stunt work can be. There's not green screen in this for any of the actual stunts for the camera guy. Mm-hmm. It's always wire work. It's always when you mentioned that scene where they're uh, the running on the bridge. bridge. Yeah. They literally saw that bridge as they were driving home and they're like, we should do part of the chase sequence on the bridge. And they stopped. Mm-hmm. No permits. It's fucking Russia. And they just ran across the top of that bridge because I guess the director used to do that when he was a kid. Right. Like, so, I mean, it's amazing. No one died on yeah. this movie. Like, this is a, a testament to stunt work. And and I think only they had a couple bruises and someone chipped a tooth is some is like the only injuries that happened, which is insane. Right. So you take these two sort of, again, going for different things, but technic- the technical aspect of it, just putting it up to sort of the highest level. I mean, yeah, both had subpar predictable plots to me. Both had main characters that had to do insane things to sell the film. Yeah. 
Uh, both had secondary characters that stole the show, Jimmy and this and uh, uh, Tom Hardy. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, just both were beautifully done. Technic, techn- like technologically speaking, like I wouldn't give a fuck about Revenant yeah. if it wasn't shot the way it was shot. I wouldn't. You know, it's funny because I think the way you just described that was kind of more you're taking a knock at the Revenant as opposed to like lifting this film up. I'm, I, I'm putting them on the same pedestal. Well, yeah. I mean, I you're, guess culturally, sure. But like, I think, I think they're even. I think yeah. they're completely different. I, 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 I do, because for me, if you go back to that Revenant episode, the, the narrative of the Revenant kind of did resonate with me a little bit more, and I kind of did appreciate the Revenant storyline a little bit more. But, but, but I, it was still generic. Uh, it's a revenge. It's, 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 this guy killed my son. I need to kill this guy. Yeah, and... Uh, it's been a while since I've even thought about that film, but but I could totally see it in the way you're framing it. I do think the Revenant storyline does perform better for me. But it does the same thing. Third act is kind of meh. No, I like I like the third act of the Revenant. Oh, when they get back to the base and he did randomly steals the money. Yeah, no, I. There's I, one cool moment though in it when he's on the side of the horse. Like I'll give it that. I I liked I look I. Uh, but I, we had we had differing opinions had different on the opinion, end. Yeah. Differing opinions on the Revenant, and you know what's funny is like the more I've read and talked to people about the Revenant, the more I'm realizing people didn't like that movie that much. Um, whereas I kind of enjoyed the experience wholeheartedly. I, I liked it fine, but I liked it like I liked this movie. Yeah. And and I think what you're doing is you're taking a shot at the Revenant. And and, and that's fair enough. I, I can't disagree. Let's put it this way. I'm taking a shot at the pedestal that it seems to be put on, putting it on and taking the chunk I shot out and kind of stuffing it under Hardcore Henry. Mm-hmm. So just kind of get, because it is in my head. And it would be amazing if like, if the, if Hardcore Henry had come out in uh, October of last year and was up, on, you know, like imagine, imagine the, the, the chaos it would have been if like, uh, and the nominees for Best Pictures are Hardcore Henry and The Revenant. I know, <laughs> it would, I know. It would have been but, crazy. But that's, but what I'm saying. Saying, why not though? Like this is the thing to me is like I the part of me that that agrees with you says why couldn't it be because because you're saying the Revenant didn't have much of a storyline for you but it's technically bold and it's beautiful, wonderful in that and, in the technical aspect and of it. and for you hardcore Henry is the same thing. Um, I. I, I I agree with the sentiment. It's kind of like, you know, if we're gonna get in, if we're gonna get into my final thought. Yes, your final we, thought. I did mine. Uh, which is it's the same thing. Which is I agree with the sentiment of this film, and I appreciate what it was trying to do, and I'm glad that it doesn't take itself too seriously. I unfortunately, personally, had a r- little bit of a rough time watching it. Yeah. But I like this director. I like you know Shalto Copley. As soon as he came on the screen, I was like, Ugh, and then the memories of Old Boy came back to me. That's your fault. But well, yeah. I, I, no. But then they do explain the accent thing a little bit later on. They do explain the kind of world that that character lives in. It came a little bit late in the game for me, but but there is a a wholly transcendent moment at the end of the film, which I really dug. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still stick by what I said when to when the I, lady to the la- to, to my imaginary friend when to I the walk- Call of Duty champion that yeah. you told the Nazi this movie that's <laughs> basically lays her entire love. Yeah, I I still like. I, if my wife asked me to watch this movie, I would say, no, don't go watch this movie. Not because I think she's an old lady, but I just don't think she would enjoy this movie. Good save. Um, and, and, you know, like, but I appreciate what this movie was. And I, and I think if you are a person that enjoys video games, that grew up playing video games, mm-hmm. that enjoys video games, that, that likes the idea of seeing something cinematically different, um, you know, like say if Deadpool, the Avengers, all that stuff is your cinematic staple, I think you will get something out of this movie. Now, my caveat to that is that because if you take away the video game reference, if you take, if you just go, this is just a movie, which I think is, which is what the filmmakers want you to do. You know, they want you to say, this is just, this is a, a film, a cinematic experience, which it is. Yeah. Um, it is a hyper aggressive, hyper violent, hyper sex, over sexualized male patriarchal film that is difficult to swallow if you are not on that side. And, and I, and, and that's, and you know, so, so for us, and I think the people who listen to this podcast, who I think are a lot of guys, um, we ladies right in. So Shahir can eat those words. I would, I would love it to love to eat those words. Well, I'm trying. (laughs) uh, Good save. Good save. Um, (laughs) Good save too. (laughs) But, so so, and it's weird to say that because ordinarily those kinds of caveats would make just, you not like. I agree. Would make you hate this movie, but for some reason you, I, for some reason I don't. Yeah, and it doesn't and seem like you it, hate it. No, it's the same reason why I would put those caveats in front of uh, watching Crank, but I enjoyed Crank. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah. Um, and I think it has to do with filmmakers wanting to try something different, not taking themselves too seriously, and genuinely wanting to engage the audience. All you need is love, Shahir. That's all you do. All you need is love. See, even I can enjoy fun sometimes. I know. You came back from New Zealand and all this. I don't. Where the fuck's the real Shahir? <laughs> I was expecting the real Shahir to flip his shit on my Revenant Hardcore Henry mashup. Look, it's Akon meets Eminem with the real Shahir. Please stand up and let me smack that. Okay, let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> good save. No, 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 no. Only no, two good saves. I, kill, I killed my good save. This has been the only podcast about Hardcore Henry. Uh, Shahir, well, wonderful to have you back. Where can people find you now that you're stateside? Stateside, you can always see my work uh, and uh, connect to my Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, everything. Uh, all from one convenient place, uh, shahirdowd.com. That's www.shahirdowd.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D. Uh, we have been have a long gestating project about robots uh, with uh, as a follow-up music video to Nigel Stanford Cymatics, which some of you may have seen. It had 10 million views, so maybe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Self-promotion Shahir. Engage! Um, uh, so uh, look out for that music video coming soon. Yeah, all right. And you can find me at Matthew Kroll, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com or Emperor MSK on Twitter or Skeletor, the number four P-R-E-Z on the Instagram. Got some good uh, things from Medieval Times last night. Ooh. Hey, shout out to, we went out and partied with the Knights afterward. Uh, I went to Medieval Times for my birthday. Shout out to the to the black and white Knight and all of his friends that came out to uh, the, the Jersey Beer Hall after the fact. That was well, a good time. My only reference of Medieval Time is the cable guy. We watched it before we oh, uh, really? before we did it. What yeah. is the Jim Carrey uh, when he's like running at him? He's doing a Star Trek for This has been the only podcast about hardcore Henry. Write us on iTunes review one to five stars. We'll read it and onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or at onlymoviepod. Yeah, and now Shahir and I will fight to the death because next week we get a little witchy. Ha, ha, ha.